This is episode 320 of the 200 Churches podcast. Sitting in my living room tonight, reading a book, and suddenly I said to myself, I just need to record this podcast episode. I don't know that I've ever done anything like this before. So I hopped up, went out into the garage, got in my car with my portable recorder, and I recorded this podcast episode. So, Pastor, if there's something in your life that you've been struggling with and you've just been waiting for an opportunity to do something about it, this episode might just be for you. Welcome to the 200 Churches Podcast. We're passionate about providing ministry encouragement to pastors of small churches. We release a brand new episode every Wednesday to do just that for you, all of our small church pastor friends. Now here are two guys who are definitely better together, friends, pastors, and podcast partners, Jeff and Johnny. This is the 200 Churches Podcast. My name is Jeff Katie. I'm here in the opulent and luxurious 200 Churches Podcast Sound Studio by myself to talk with you today. You know that I have been on a health journey if you've been listening to this podcast for any amount of time. In fact, just a couple of weeks ago, I passed the six-month mark. I started back in early October, and I've been on a journey to get healthier because, quite frankly, I was not very healthy, and I needed to do something about it. So in the last six months, I've lost 65 pounds. But on that health journey, I've just learned a whole bunch of things about myself, about health, about food, about exercise, about how weight uh, affects me and other people, about how people like or don't like to talk about their own health, and how health, it's, it's so interesting, is a paradox. In our society, it's really taboo to ask somebody about their health or to suggest to somebody that they get healthier. I mean, you're walking on a razor's edge there when you're doing that. On the other hand, there's all kinds of talk and all kinds of writing and books about losing weight and about exercise and about feeling better and about living longer. And yet, for some reason, if we were to suggest to anybody that they should do any of those things, you're really running the risk of deeply offending them. So, pastor, here's where we come in. We're pastors, right? Men and women, you're pastoring churches. We're here to help people. And we all know that oftentimes we're the hurting ones. We're the ones that need help. We're the ones that need to get healthy. We're the ones that need emotional support. We're the ones that need a relationship, somebody to come alongside of us and encourage us. We're the ones who maybe need to take medication that we don't take. Maybe we need to stress less. Maybe we need to eat better. Maybe we need to sleep more. Maybe we need to move and have motion and exercise in our life more. Yet, who's going to tell us about these things? I mean, really, people weren't telling me. More than one occasion, I told my wife, as a pastor, I can eat myself to death. My church people won't say a word but they'll come to my funeral, talk about what a great pastor I was. And then as John Maxwell likes to say, they're going to go to the kitchen, have their uh, potato salad and potato chips and pie, and then go off and start the next search committee. I mean, it's true. It's true. Pastor, who has come up to you? If you're not healthy, and it's obvious to you anyway, who has come up to you recently and said, hey, 
uh, pastor, uh, you look like you really, you look like you need a gym membership or a long vacation or a three month sabbatical or, uh, 10 free session sessions, uh, with a masseuse. I mean, Who's ever come up to you and said that to you? If if somebody has, you are unusual and you are not the norm. Because for pastors, they can pretty much be however they want to be. And who's going to really say anything to them? So, Pastor, I'm saying something right now in this episode to you. The reason why I'm saying this is I was recently at the YMCA and I, I hired a trainer for 10 sessions to get me jump-started back to some strength training that I need for myself. After losing 65 pounds, I felt a little frail. And quite honestly, I lost some muscle in that too, and I needed to get stronger. Anyway, me and my trainer were talking, and he started telling me about this book. Uh, we were talking about what you should eat and what's good for you. Now, he's also in the healthcare industry. He's a respiratory therapist, and so he he knows a few things, and he was sharing some insight with me, and he mentioned a book, and while I was in between reps, I pulled my phone out, went to Amazon, literally ordered the book, and it was in my house uh, two days later. So I've been reading this book. It's not an overtly Christian book. I don't know that the people are even Christian I don't know that they're not. But as I'm looking at it, I'm struck by how truly biblical the teachings in this book are. And I'm thinking, as pastors, we would often walk by a book like this on the shelf, and rightly so. I mean, you can't buy every book on the shelf, and there's a million books, right, about how to eat right and how to exercise and how to be healthy. But this just happens to be the one that I picked up. And so there are four encouragements in this book that kind of form the center of the book and the structure of it. And the the four things are these. Eat well. Okay, that's obvious. Number two is move more. Boy, now that's getting real deep, right? Number three, stress less. And then number four, oh my goodness, if you've ever heard Johnny and I talk about the boxes, The boxes form the basis of our understanding of the life of a Jesus follower. And the bottom four boxes in a a stack of ten boxes, there's a bottom four and then a second row of three and then a third row of just two boxes and then one on the top. But the bottom four say L-O-V-E, the foundation of the Christian life, the foundation of a disciple of Jesus. So number one, eat well. Number two, move more. Number three, stress less. And number four, love more. He goes through uh, with empirical, uh, medical, biological, scientific data, and he shows how doing those four things improves your life creates new pathways in your brain, accelerates your healing and your health. And as I'm reading this, I'm thinking about passages in Scripture, like Philippians 4, I think it's verse 8, whatsoever things are good and, you know, whatever is honorable and just and right and true and lovely, think on these things. Well, he's got this whole section here on meditation. And as I'm reading it, this section is like, it's just an application of the teaching of that verse using the truth of the Psalms to meditate, to think about what is good, to train your brain to think 
biblically, to think godly thoughts, to think about the good and the pure and the right and the noble and the just, and how these things literally transform our brains, and they literally grow the good good parts of our brain. Now, I'm not a neurologist, nor have I ever studied neuroscience. I've read a little bit about it, but I've in no way studied it. The amygdala, the amygdala, and there's another part of the brain. There's a part of the brain that emphasizes fear, and there's a part of the brain that brings us security and uh, well thought out, uh, a well-thought-out life. And that when we do the good things, the parts of our brain that will cause us fear literally will shrink. And the parts of our brain that bring security and cause us to love and have faith and be strong and psychologically healthy, those parts will literally strengthen and grow. And we can carve new neuropathways in our brain to make us healthier, to give us, from my understanding, really to give us the basis for increasing our faith and our trust in God. And you know what? It's really not a surprise, is it, right? All truth is God's truth. All truth is God's truth. And if this is true scientifically and medically and biologically and psychologically and biopsychologically, if these if they're true, it's God's truth. And so again, I, I'm thinking about pastors, and I'm thinking I re, I'm reading this section called "Change Your Mind, Change Your Brain." Let me just read just a little bit. of This is so interesting. And again, Pastor, if this is true, this uh, this speaks to how we live our lives, how we treat others, how we lead others, how we teach others, how we emphasize certain passages in Scripture. Neuroplasticity is the ability of the adult brain to change its structure and function literally by generating new cells and pathways. He says, as we discussed in chapter two, when you eat well, move more, stress less, and love more, the part of your brain that controls memory, called the hippocampus, can get measurably bigger in only a few weeks. New research indicates that you can actually rewire your brain to have more positive responses, seeing the proverbial glass as half full instead of half empty. We can all learn to be more positive by practicing doing so. In other words, your higher cognitive function, your thoughts, can directly influence your amygdala, the animal part of your brain that houses emotions like fear and anger. I wasn't sure where I read that, and I opened up and looked at the exact spot that I was just talking about. This is incredible. And he goes on to, he goes on to cite all kinds of data and all kinds of resources and research. So I'm going to skip down a little bit. Just listen to this part. In a related study, Dr. Richard Davidson, a pioneering neuroscientist at the University of Wisconsin, he found that as little as two weeks training in compassion and loving-kindness meditation generated changes in brain circuitry linked to an increase in positive social behaviors like generosity. i got to read that one more time. In as little as two weeks' training in compassion and loving-kindness meditation, that generated changes in brain circuitry linked to an increase in positive social behaviors like generosity. He said, well-being can be considered a life skill. If you practice, you can actually get better at it. 
And he says, mindfulness is a form of meditation in which you observe your thoughts and feelings without judgment. According to Dr. Davidson, this form of mental training gives you the wherewithal to pause, observe how easily the mind can exaggerate the severity of a setback. Oh, my goodness, Pastor. Right? How easily our minds can exaggerate the severity of a setback in ministry? And then he says, Note that it is an interesting mental process and resists getting drawn into the abyss. Meditation causes a part of your thinking brain, the left prefrontal cortex, to send inhibitory signals to your amygdala, the emotional part of your brain that causes you to feel anger and fear. In short, we have more control over how we respond to the world than we once believed. Our thinking brain sometimes can overcome our emotional brain, and practice makes perfect. Knowing that you can beneficially change your brain and the expression of your genes in only two months by just meditating for a half hour daily is very inspiring. This is biblical stuff, right, pastors? It's biblical as we meditate on the truth of God's word. And so they're citing certain things to medicate, yeah not Medicaid. They're citing certain things to meditate on. Just change what you're meditating on. Put it in the form of creation, how God has put together creation. Meditate on a beautiful scene of nature. Meditate on a beautiful act of kindness or generosity or love that you've seen happen in your church. Meditate on the truth of the scriptures. Meditate on the work of the Holy Spirit. Meditate on the presence of the Holy Spirit. Can you see how these things if we would just sit down and, and make a list of things that we wanted to spend a half an hour a day meditating on, whatsoever things are, pure, lovely, etc., etc., how it could change our attitude. And aren't we in a battle to keep reign over our brain, our minds, our thoughts, our attitudes, our perspectives? Isn't it a fight sometimes to resist pessimism and to enjoy optimism and positivity? And so this book has just really encouraged me. And and again, I'm realizing sometimes we just have to go out of a book, a theological or biblically based, uh, overtly biblically based book, and just look at what's out there. And, And you'll see that all truth really is God's truth. But what I'm learning as I'm reading about health and well-being, as I'm reading about nutrition and exercise, I'm, I'm seeing so much spiritual stuff here. I'm realizing how much of this is just truly biblical and how, maybe I'm getting to my point here, Pastor, how we will ignore so much of God's truth and call it benign or unspiritual or ah-spiritual or non-biblical, and we'll live our lives in ways that are really destroying us slowly but surely, while all the while preaching Sunday after Sunday, visiting people in the hospital, counseling people, managing programs, training believers in ministry programs and in spirituality, Uh, doing all these things, having meetings and growing in leadership and studying the Greek and Hebrew and, and, and putting together messages and message series. Well, all the while, we're not sleeping well. We're not eating well. 
We're not relating well to others. We don't have people in our lives that we can tell our secrets to, right? Maybe we're drinking too much. Maybe we're, we're medicating ourselves in some way. We're doing all these other things. We're, we're breaking all the rules of life, and we're, we're telling ourselves that well, well, those, those, aren't, those aren't overtly in Scripture. We're studying about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, right? We're teaching about the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. We're talking about grace, and we're talking about Jesus, our high priest. But what about real life? My question to you, Pastor, is, Are you dying on the vine in so many ways in your life because your life is so dedicated to ministry that it isn't dedicated to just living? I would hate to think that that was true, and yet I'm afraid it is true because I've experienced that before, and I'm experiencing less of it now, and it's noticeable to me. It's noticeable to me. Sleeping, I'm sleeping better. I'm eating better. I'm moving more. I'm relating with other people more. I'm facing relational conflicts and situations head on and working through them, determined not to let them throw me. And I'm just learning and growing. I'm 56 years old, and I'm going to be learning and growing, God willing, for the next 30 or so years. There's never going to be a year, my intention, there's never going to be a year where I'm not learning and growing. And, and some of you may know, you may know all this stuff. You, you could teach me. I'm just, I'm just encouraging. I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to, in a friendly way, pastors, as, as one pastor to another, encourage you to take the time to live your life. It's your life. It's your life. And maybe you've been dying on the vine of ministry. Ironically, when Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And if you don't abide in me, you're not going to make it. You're not going to live. And, and you, may, you may be trying to abide in the spiritual vine while breaking all the rules to bring life to your physical vine, your body. What do you need to do, Pastor? Maybe you need help. We all need help, right? I need help. And I, I, I'm currently getting help, and hopefully I'll continue to get help in area after area that I need help in. But maybe you need help. Maybe you need to bite the bullet and talk to a friend in ministry who you know could encourage you in whatever area you're struggling with. Maybe it's prescription drugs, and, and you feel like, I can't tell anybody about this. Who am I going to tell about this? I'm a pastor, for goodness sake. It, maybe it's prescription drugs. Maybe, maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's financial. Maybe, maybe you're gambling. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe, maybe you're into pornography. Uh, maybe you're into uh, on the verge of an affair with somebody. Maybe you're just, you're just not eating well. Maybe you're just not sleeping. Maybe you're stressed. Maybe you actually need some medication to calm you down, to get you through a, a period in your life. Maybe you just need some counseling. Maybe it needs to be paid counseling. Maybe it needs to be counseling just with a friend that you can call up. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe you need to go back to school for that degree that you've always wanted. 
Maybe you need to cut something out of your life because you're so busy with your life and the things you have to do that you don't have actually time to enjoy your life. Sometimes we're so busy in ministry that we never actually work on our ministry. The same can be true about our life. We're so busy in our life that we never just step back. Step back 20, 30, 40 feet. Take a look at our life and say, how do I need to work on my life? Just step out of it for a little while and work on it. Pastor, if you don't know where to turn, here's what you do. You imagine yourself coming into your office, and you tell yourself all of your problems as though you were a third person, somebody else, and ask yourself, what would I tell that person to do? And then you know what? Follow your own advice. And you may think that's kind of funny or that's, that's foolish, but I'm serious about that. It's really, it's really not that hard because you are smart, Pastor. You're educated. You're intelligent. You're, you're a people person. You've worked with people. And, and I don't care how good or bad you are at any of those things. You're smart. You're a pastor. So imagine you coming in to talk to you and ask yourself, what would I tell that person? When we look from the inside, we're like, I'm lost, I'm lost, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do. You know what to do. You just have to step outside of yourself for a minute and observe yourself and say, as a pastor, what would I tell that person to do? And then just do it. And if you had to email me just so you could tell somebody something, you could email Jeff at 200churches.com, or if you wanted to email Johnny, you could email Johnny at 200churches.com, and and we'd be happy to talk with you. I'm just concerned about the pastors who are out there dying on the vine, the irony, the rich irony in that. Those of us who are trying to share life with other people would ourselves not have a life that we enjoyed living. Some of you are wondering about this book. Oh, my goodness. I, I was going to talk to you more about this book, but I don't, I don't think I'm going to get into it. Uh, there's so much good stuff in here, and this book isn't the Bible, and I'm sure there are things about it that are wacky. I don't know. The book is called Undo It by Dean and Ann Ornish. But, hey, eat well, move more, stress less, and love more. How simple lifestyle changes can reverse most chronic diseases. Pastor, that is so true. Food is medicine. It really is. The food we put in our body can make us or break us. Food really is medicine. So lifestyle changes in how we relate to people, how we handle stress, how we move and exercise our bodies, the kind of nutrition we put in, how well we sleep and rest, these things can reverse most chronic diseases. And when you go to the doctor, he's going to medicate you or she's going to medicate you because she can't live your life for you, right? She can't she can't make the hard decisions for you, and she's got to assume that you're probably not going to do the right thing, and so she's going to keep you from the worst outcomes of your bad actions, and she's going to give you a medication 
to help with your blood pressure or your cholesterol or whatever it is. You may need it or you may not need it, but some lifestyle changes can really reverse some chronic diseases. So this book, Undo It, just one of many probably really good books. Uh, I've enjoyed reading it. I've learned some things from it. It talks in there about a lot of things that I see in the scriptures, and they never, as far as I can tell from what I've read, they don't talk about the scriptures. But pastor, it's time to live your life, man. It's time to live your life, woman. Uh, Wherever you're at in life as a pastor, I hope you're living your life. And uh, I've enjoyed growing and learning in these past six months. Uh, I, I feel like I've I've hit a different level in my life because of what I've opened myself up to, to grow and to learn. Well, to grow, actually to shrink, to shrink and to learn more. It's been wonderful, Pastor. I want that for all of you. I wish that and pray that on all of you. Don't let ministry life rob you of your personal life or your family life. Do put the first things first. Do the things that are going to benefit you because in the long run, what benefits you will benefit those around you. And in the long run, what hurts you is going to hurt those around you. So while a short-term sacrifice might be beneficial to another A long-term sacrifice on your part is going to be detrimental to your helping those who are in your life, whether they're in your family or in your friendship group or in your church. Take care of you, Pastor. And if there's any way I can help or be of an encouragement in that, I'd happily do so. And I know that Johnny would say the same thing. So we're available to you. Jeff at 200churches.com, Johnny at 200churches.com, and we'll see you next week on the 200 Churches Podcast. My name is Angela, and I want to thank you for listening to this episode. If you haven't already, you should subscribe to our weekly email at 200churches.com and to the podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You know it. We'll be back next week with another amazing and encouraging episode just for you. Until then, may God bless you as you lead and love His church. So, outtakes. I'm not going to mess around with outtakes. For this episode, I literally came out into the garage and got into my Chevy Equinox, turned the garage light on, got my portable recorder, and there we go. So I texted Johnny earlier today, and I said, Johnny, would you have any available time to record this afternoon? And he replied, I do not, man. I'm sorry. So Johnny was busy with ministry and family today. It's one of the things I love about him. He will not try to people-please me. When he's busy with ministry or family, he just tells me. As I'm flipping through our text uh, messages here, he's a crazy guy. He says some of the craziest stuff. (laughs) I wish I could read it, but alas, I cannot.
Have a great weekend, pastors.